Welcome to BFR Radio, a podcast dedicated to all things BFR. This podcast is proudly sponsored by sportsrehab.com.au, where if you want to buy your own BFR cuffs or you want more information about the type of training or you just want more information, this is your one place to go. And I'm your host, Chris Gavilio. Hi everyone. A lot of the work that I traditionally review and talk about always centers around elite athletes or athletic type populations. I really try and relate it back to the cohort of athletes that I traditionally work with. I do see value with BFR training in an aging or an older population. As we all know, in an aging population, it's just hard to train with intensity. And as we know, BFR at low loads have improved a whole host of different markers. The basic one is strength. Other ones have been markers of bone reformation, joint pain, tendon pain. There's so many great things that BFR can help with. So therefore, I thought this paper has really great application to the wider population and the wider aging population. And it's called The Chronic Effect of Strength Training with Blood Flow Restriction on Muscular Strength Among Women with Osteoporosis. This is from Silva et al. and out of Brazil. In this paper, they spoke about with Brazil specifically, it's estimated that approximately 10 million people suffer from osteoporosis. Osteoporosis is a metabolic bone disorder characterized by decreased bone mineral density with deterioration of the bone microarchitecture. Combined with the decrease in muscle mass, bone mineral density decreases the capacity to produce strength that leads to an increased skeletal fragility and fractures due to falls. One thing that is known is that strength training is an excellent treatment to increase the size and the strength of the muscles to help maintain and increase bone mineral density in people with osteoporosis. Therefore, there's an anticipation that this increase in strength will help reduce the risk of falls and also an increase in functional capacity. Drawing on previous literature, and as I've stated many a times, the one way to elicit improvements in skeletal muscle strength is that you need intensity in your training, or in other words, you need to give the muscle enough mechanical stress. We know that if we have increases in mechanical stress, there's huge stresses imposed on the joints and the muscles and the skeletal structures in which the muscles originate and insert. And in younger populations, this is fine, but as we all know, as we start to age, this is a little bit more difficult. So therefore, their rationale was low-intensity strength training, a 20 to 50% of 1RM combined with the BFR could assist with producing similar strength and muscle mass gains without causing the great strength from the joints that are traditionally resulting from high-intensity strength training. In previous studies, strength training with BFR has already been documented to improve muscle strength, bone markers, and hormonal responses in older adults without osteoporosis. So therefore, the purpose of this study was to analyze the chronic effect of strength training combined with BFR on maximal dynamic strength in osteoporotic women. In this study, there was 15 osteoporotic women who were randomized into three groups. The first group was a low-intensity strength group with BFR. The second group was in a high-intensity strength training group. And the third was a control. And in their control, they weren't exposed to exercise. BFR pressure was determined using an 18 centimeter wide cuff and was set at 80% of the pressure required for complete BFR in the resting state. In this study, they used an intermittent protocol. In other words, the cuff was deflated between the sets and the mean pressure used throughout the exercise protocol was around 104 mils of mercury. Without knowing the actual anthropometric details of their thighs, you would normally think that 80% of arterial occlusion is quite high 
However, the advantage of using a wider cuff of 18 centimeters is that they can actually use lower pressures. Although initially when I thought 80% of arterial occlusion, wow, that's high, potentially using the wider cuff may have made it more tolerable with this group of women whose mean age was around 62 years. They determine their maximum strength measure or their 1RM using a leg extension machine. Their 1RM leg extension was evaluated pre-test and at the 6th week and at the 12th week mark. Their strength training program lasted 12 weeks. It was designed with two weekly sessions separated by a 48-hour interval, therefore totaling 24 sessions throughout the whole program. The high-intensity group performed the exercise with four series until concentric failure with a load corresponding to 80% of 1RM and a two-minute rest interval between series. In this, they performed approximately eight reps per series. The low intensity plus BFR group performed four series until concentric failure with a load corresponding to 30% of their 1RM and they used a 30 second rest interval between the series or the sets. In this they also performed around seven reps per set. And just to confirm, the control group maintained their normal daily activities without any commitment to any type of physical or strenuous activity involving their lower limbs. On to the results now. When you look at intergroup comparisons, both high-intensity training and also the low-intensity plus BFR showed significant differences against the control. This is something that we would expect to see. Intragroup analysis showed that the high-intensity group exhibited a significant difference when comparing pre versus sixth and also twelfth week scores. To give you an idea, their mean scores at their pre-value was approximately 27.8. I'm assuming it's kilos. And then at six weeks, they improved to 32.8. And then at the 12th week, 37. So over 12 weeks was able to improve almost 10 units. Again, assuming this is 10 kilos. I've actually gone through the whole paper just to make sure that I haven't skipped any units and I don't seem to be able to find it. Anyhow, uh, onto the low intensity plus BFR. Results were very similar to the high intensity training where they had improvements at the 6th and 12th week mark when you compare it against their pre-testing values. To give it a bit of perspective, they went from 35 kilos to 37.9 and on to 40 kilos. So over the 12-week period, they improved almost 5 units, or assuming 5 kilos here. Their total change wasn't as great over the 12 weeks. However, they started at a much higher point where, again, just confirming numbers, the high-intensity group was at 27.8 versus the low-intensity plus BFR at 35. So almost 7 units or 7 kilos stronger in the low-intensity plus BFR. And just knowing training athletes, so taking this to any kind of cohort, that potentially if you're starting at a higher level, the possibility to inducing change may not be as great. And as expected, the control group did not exhibit significant differences between the three assess time points. The big take-home is if you have some sort of exercise, you're going to improve strength levels. The really great thing here is low-intensity plus BFR has shown a significant improvement in strength levels. And with the advantage of less stress on the joints, they highlighted that these results corroborate with another investigator who observed increases in maximal strength levels after a high-intensity intervention period using around 85 to 90% of 1RM over 12 weeks. In this, the authors also observed improvements in bone mineral density levels. It's just a shame that bone mineral density levels weren't taken in this study. However, these authors stated that to the best of their knowledge, this study was the first to investigate the effects of strength training with BFR in a population of subjects with osteoporosis. 
although other investigators have shown that BFR in older populations works. This is the first one using a population of osteoporotic women, highlighting a really good advantage in this unique population. I mentioned very briefly earlier on the role of BFR on bone markers. They didn't go into great detail here. However, some really interesting information on some other studies was, for example, in a population of elderly men that used knee extension exercise with BFR, positive responses were observed in osteoblast activity and muscle strength. Osteoblast is a large cell which is responsible for the synthesis and the mineralization of bone during both the initial bone formation and later bone remodeling. So it's a positive effect that you want to have. Similarly, another group reported positive increases in both bone turnover markers and muscle cross-sectional area in older adults who trained with and without BFR. Therefore, leaning on other investigators' results, strength training with BFR seems to be effective for developing bone tissue because it indicates a positive response in bone rehabilitation. And again, being able to perform exercises at lower intensities and get a similar response to that of higher intensity training I think it has really great implications for older populations. This has actually really got me intrigued and I'm going to actually chase a few more papers over time. And if I have any listeners out there who may have an interest in this area and want me to review anything more specifically, please let me know as I think that BFR has really great application across all spectrum of users from elite athletes just to general pop all the way through to people rehabilitating from injuries. I hope you enjoyed that paper review, a little bit different again. And now we're going to go on to how do you use BFR? Welcome to the podcast, Kelly Ben, a strength and conditioning coach based in New South Wales. Hello, Chris. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks. I'm obviously aware of some of the great work you've been doing with athletes, but also some BFR work. In particular, what drew me to bring you on the podcast was you posted some time ago now work you did with a woman from a hip replacement. That's right. Yeah, well, that was a few years ago now. I was working in a um, sports medicine clinic and this woman was referred from a surgeon. She had osteoarthritis osteoporosis actually and she was referred for a surgery immediately she preferred to try to delay the surgery because she was a professional dog agility trainer and the season had just begun now that was her work and her joy and she wanted to continue with it so we worked out a program that we hoped would give her some benefit um it did little bit and then I remembered that I had heard about BFR training from two people in particular one's Duncan French and the other is Ben Rosenblatt now both of those guys use it in a different way but I hoped that maybe it could work with this lady who was called Michelle and give us some pretty quick results for her so we got the BFR cuffs from you one year when you're or the first year at the ASCA conference I think it was almost the first year you brought them out yeah I think so yeah and Yeah, that was in Melbourne, brought it back, started using it just with the same program though. So nothing really changed except that we were using the BFR cuffs to occlude uh, high on her hip. We did both legs actually, not just the one that needed the surgery or the replacement. And she felt she was pain-free during the sessions, which was a huge breakthrough for her. So the BFR firstly made it pain-free for her or much reduced in pain to the point where she called it pain-free. I introduced isometrics 
at that point and that was great too. So BFR plus isometrics and when that was giving us results, we added in some isokinetic work and beyond that, she could move freely through a range of motion with the BFR cuffs on and we got some really good strength results and range of motion results for her. Look, on top of actually getting the numbers and the visible results, the confidence her confidence just soared so I probably didn't expect her to be able to run again but she managed or she decided that she would and could and felt like she could so she did and as part of training the dogs she would have to run for 60 seconds at a time to get through the agility course she did that for eight weeks uh, which is when her surgery was scheduled for and then when she went back to the doctor he was shocked and surprised and said well you know what if you want to delay the surgery till after the season then I'm happy to do it and she was thrilled with that so she came back and said all right we're going to do it twice a week now because I was doing it once a week seeing her and she was doing stuff at home by herself but very limited stuff and very easy stuff that she couldn't get wrong so hip thrusts isometric holds on a lunge and a squat or you know a box squat something like that really simple stuff so then she came twice a week and she ended up delaying the surgery again and I think from a surgery that was scheduled from diagnosis it was supposed to be six weeks later, it ended up being over five months that she delayed the surgery. Then she had the surgery and the next day she was walking. The doctors were thrilled and amazed and just wanted to know all about it. And that's how I, I started with BFR and that's how I've continued with it because the doctors just keep sending me people. That's a fantastic story. What was so what was Michelle's first reaction when you introduced the concept to her and then also from that her first reaction when she started using them? Okay, well when I described it to her, I probably didn't uh, describe it as well as I could have or should have. And so she probably well she did give me a little bit of a queer look. But she trusted me. And I think as a rehabilitation specialist, you do earn that trust. And that's the first thing you build up with your client. So she trusted me and just went, whatever. And then I put them on her and we had to play around a little bit with the pressure because she was an older woman and I wasn't sure what to use. There wasn't a lot of research around it then either. So I was flying a little bit by the seat of my pants, but I asked everyone I could possibly ask and got some information that I could base a program around. And, you know, even if it was a little bit less of a pressure than it needed to be, it still got results. And as long as she wasn't feeling pain during the session or reduced pain, then I was really happy, I have to say. And so was she. So her initial reaction was, what the heck? And her reaction going on was, this is brilliant. And she told everyone, you know, when you're happy about something, you tell everyone. Yeah. That was her. Yeah. That's wonderful. And what kind of pressure were you looking at with her? Yeah, I used, I probably started, I know I did, I've got it all written down here, but I started at 100 and moved up to 120 over time. And we stayed at 120 for legs, you know. So, and if I did it again, I would use more. Yeah. So a lot of the the research now comes out with saying that leg circumference is actually an indicator of the pressure. And that actually kind of sounds about right. And I think as I mentioned to you earlier, when I look at research, you know, 75 to 220 mils of mercury gets results. And therefore, what's the minimum dose that you truly need to get a response? And I think you actually probably got it right. 
There you go. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> and, and also the big thing is, is, is about, you know, if it's a new training stimulus, like anything, you know, you want to slowly increase it. And it's about getting the buy-in with the client. And if the client, although the pressure calculation might say, oh, we need to go 140, if they get buy-in at 100 and they say, I'm comfortable here and they're getting a response, you know, that, that's the feel for the client and knowing that, you know, 75 in some research has been shown to get results. So, and if they are getting results, is more better? That's still a debate going on in research at the moment. Okay, then. All right. Well, that's good to know that I intuitively got it right enough. Yeah. But I, I think, think, you know, as long as it's pain-free and she didn't walk out of there in pain and, and was content to come back, you know, I still wanted her to come back, <laughs> not hurt her or have her so fearful of it or, you know, you can do it very tight and it's just uncomfortable the whole time. I didn't want it to be like that for her. Yeah, good. Fantastic. It's a great story. Uh, and I know you're working with another Paralympian at the moment and we're going to get you back later on on the podcast to fill us in on some very cool work you're doing there with the upper body cuffs. We won't give too much away now, but just aside from the bit, that great story there, uh, what else are you up to at the moment? Oh, well, working with those Paralympics, but I do have a good database of general public people that I work with and you probably know what it's like. You do one good rehab and they'll tell the world. So I have a lot of rehabs that I'm doing at the moment and it, I guess a lot of the time you, you do a knee and you'll get a whole run of knees and then you do a back and you get a run of backs. So at the moment, it, for me, it seems to be shoulders and necks, but I'm really keen to use the BFR with that as well. So I have, I, I did some work with Australian Ninja Warrior and some of the climbers there had neck and shoulder restrictions, not injuries, but restrictions. And I'm just keen to see what the BFR can do with that because I know with Michelle that it increased her range of motion considerably. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to use the BFR with the rock climbers. Fantastic. That's pretty cool. And hopefully from this, it's sparked some interest with other people out there. If they um, want to get a hold of you, where, where do they get a hold of you? Okay. Well, Twitter is one at Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, Ben, spelt B-E-A-H-A-N, or Instagram under at It's I-T-S Kel. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me and for answering all my questions. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, as we'll get you on in a few podcast time to update on one of your exciting athletes' progress. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about that one too, actually. Thank okay. you, Chris. Okay, thank you. No worries. And that's all today for this episode of BFR Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to take part in the podcast, please contact me through my website or on social media channels at Chris Cavillio. For more information and to order a set of your own BFR cuffs, please visit my website at sportsrehab.com.au. Thanks for listening and keep the pump. Mm-hmm.